0: As salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa I've been uh, to many places in the world. And uh, I've given talks in lots of places in the world. And in many of these places, the language that they spoke there was different than English. I'm limited uh, to English so the circumstances uh, made it necessary to have a translator, someone who could take the words I used in English and put them into the words of whatever the local language was. My teacher, Muhammad Rahim Baal Muhayyiddin, did not speak English. He spoke Tamil a language of uh, southern India. And his communication to us in the United States was also through a translator. Uh, People would take the Tamil and put it into English so that we could understand it. And I was thinking, isn't it amazing that with all these languages all over the world, the words are similar they just sound different we make different noises just like we have different alphabets to help us pronounce these noises we make different noises but the noises all point at the same things I mean there's a word for house in English and then there was a word for house in German and there's a word for house in French and a word for house in Turkish and a word for house in Tamil but there are translations of these words. So even though things appear on the outside to be quite different, once you get to the inside, they're really quite the same. And meanings are the same. Now, different societies have entirely different looks to them. Uh, if you travel to the Amazon, the uh, familial society is going to look different than if you travel to Mongolia. And the look in Mongolia is going to be different than the look in China. And what you see in China is going to be different than what you see in the U.S. And as you travel through various parts of the U.S., you're also going to be see different external visions uh, that represent what's going on in society. Now, you would think that since we can translate other languages into our language, that those of us speaking the same language would be able to communicate easily. And the truth is (laughs) that it ain't necessarily so. Um, The fact that we all speak the same language has nothing to do with the point that we may or may not understand each other. Um, Language can be used to hide just as easily as it can be used to communicate. And whether or not we choose to use language to hide or choose language to communicate is a personal decision that we make. And it has to do with whether or not we want to create a experience of empathy with other people or we wish to separate ourselves from other people. It's very easy to use language to push people away in the same way that it's very easy to try and use language to bring people closer. Uh, we all know how to push people away, and we all know how to bring people closer. Um, if you run around uh, accusing everybody of being a kafir, a non-believer, you're going to be pushing people away. But the prophet said, if you call someone else a kafir, you or the coffer, That's hadith. So there's an understanding of things that's on a higher level and an understanding of things that's on a lower level. On one level, your head will tell you, Ha ha ha, I called him a coffer. I'm finished with him now. But on a higher level... What are the implications of calling someone a coffer for myself? What does that make me? Who am I now? And what have I don't done to the integrity and dignity of my own being? Most people don't get to the point of considering the integrity and dignity of their own being. If they did, they wouldn't run around calling people coffer they would speak to people in a different way. An interesting point uh, of the way Sufis approach things is to love in all circumstances. They take the but out of conversation. I love you, but... I uh, want to include you, but... Uh, there's no buts about it. They love. And they try to be as inclusive as they can possibly be in their love uh, without trying uh, to eliminate anybody from that circle of their love. Uh, Bawa would say to people, I can't tell you what you want to know about yourself. Because if I do, I'll have to protect myself from you. But that doesn't make us different, and it doesn't stop me from loving you. People, usually, when they ask a question, already have an answer composed in their minds and they're not looking for answers they're looking for affirmations so they're trying to use language to affirm what's going on inside of them and the thought process they've already had people would come to Bawa with questions and then the question would be translated and Bao would give an answer, and then the answer would be translated, and then the person asking the question would say, the translator didn't understand me. We'll have to be able to say that again. And so he would say it again, and the translator would translate it again, and Babu would answer it again, and the translator would translate it again, and uh, the person would say, well, we still didn't get it right. And the circle would start again. And the third time this happened, Bao would usually say something like, okay, do what you want. And the people who were asking the question would now walk out of the room with the opinion that they finally got confirmation of what they were thinking. And what they were thinking was absolutely right. And sometimes they wonder, why did I have to ask? I knew I was right. And this circle goes on and on. There's a, a, a saying in America, misery loves company, which basically means that negative people like to be with negative people to confirm their negativity. Well. It's not just that misery loves company. Opinions love company. So if you have a certain opinion, you want to be with people that share your opinion. And it's really interesting about how somebody repeating your own opinion back to you makes you feel good. How somebody repeating your own opinion back to you confirms to you that you're right. Most people never consider that both of you could be idiots. And and what you're doing is sharing idiocy back and forth and raising the level of your belief in this idiocy by continuing to talk about it and pass it back and forth. There's a reason gossip isn't allowed. Now, that means not only shouldn't you participate in spreading gossip, you shouldn't, and I'm choosing this word very carefully, you shouldn't participate by listening to gossip because there's no difference in listening than in doing it. So how many of you are capable, when somebody starts talking about somebody else, to say, I'm sorry, but I don't participate in talk about other people. Uh, I don't participate in discussing the nature of other people. It's not necessary, nor does it do any good. It's a hard thing to do. Uh, And what gossip does is it creates a hallucination about somebody else through a constant repetition of whatever story uh, these people have about them. And I've seen what it does to people, and I've seen how it's used, and um, I've seen how the repetition of the same lie over and over and over and over and over again, all of a sudden makes it palatable. palatable. It's like uh, you become anesthetized to the vulgarity of the situation. You become anesthetized to the vulgarity of the lies. You become anesthetized to the vulgarity of the act that produces the lies. I don't usually talk about presidential candidates, but one of them has made it part of his M.O., modus operandi, the way he does things, to just lie about everything. Uh, there is no solid ground. There is only the quaking of the lies and the constant intoning of the lies to the point where he can say one thing And then another thing a few minutes later, and then refuse what he had said previously because, just by saying, well I said this now, it's over. This is where it's at now. The integrity that is lost because of this in the individual, the dignity that is lost because of this in the individual, no longer becomes an issue because they become, we've become anesthetized to the lying and we learn that in the political process we sort of have to accept the lying and the constant changing of postures. Where are we going to find something that's centered and stays centered? Where are we going to find Something that is truthful and stays truthful. Where are we going to find something that doesn't go from left to right and right to left, depending on the circumstances? Where are we going to find truth? Where are we going to find reality? Where are we going to find a point of constancy in our existence? A point where the sameness of every moment is glorified. Where the unity of every moment is glorified and stays in touch with the truth. Many of us treat truth like a taxi cab ride. We get in a cab We go for a little while, and then we get out of the cab. And truth is with us while we're in the cab, and then when we get out of the cab, we go back to our regular world. It's a little bit like how we pray. We take three minutes off to pray and be with God, and then we go back to the world. Uh, We got on our taxi cab ride, and we got off on our taxi cab ride. It's almost like we become, we share a ride with God for a few minutes to go from one place to the next and then we arrive and we get out and God goes on His way. It's difficult to maintain a consistent, constant, ongoing relationship with Allah. It's difficult to be in an elevated state where we commune with Allah on a steady basis. It's difficult not to get out of the taxi. It's difficult to stay on the ride. It's just difficult. Now, just because it's difficult... Doesn't mean it can't be done and doesn't mean it shouldn't be done. It just takes effort. And effort seems to be hard for a lot of people. Now, for some people, effort is categorized. For some people it's easy to do certain things and difficult to do other things. Some people have a natural talent for doing some things. For other people, it's impossible to do certain things. Some people, when they're given a musical instrument, when they're young and told to practice, uh, they find it difficult. They find it impossible. It makes them angry, and they can't do it. Other people are given a musical instrument and they fall in love with it and can't get away from it to the point where all they do is their musical instrument and they don't want to do anything else. And some people actually develop a love for the instrument and develop a knowledge of the instrument and are able to play because of their perseverance. And soon that perseverance becomes what looks like a natural ability but it happened because a lot of blood sweat and tears in in making it happen it's the same way with our relationship with Allah for a very few it's an absolute natural uh, once they understand the existence of the Creator their beings become devoted to the Creator But for most, it's a development of an attitude towards creation and towards our life. It's the development of an attitude towards the world and the way the world works and our interaction with the world. We have been told that through spaced repetition of prayer and a continual re-occurrence of this spaced repetition, something will happen to us where we will alter our being and become accustomed to prayer, and it will become easy for us, and we'll be able to do it easily. For some that's true. For some, it's always difficult. And for some, every time they take a step forward, they have to fight demons. And sometimes these demons are quite as simple as, it's not important, you don't have to do this. It's nothing outrageous. It's nothing overwhelming. It's just that uh, whatever TV show is on at the moment is just easier to sit and watch than to go away. Uh, did you ever notice on TV shows they often leave at the end of each segment a small cliffhanger that you have to come back to to find the answer to? On a lot of these reality shows they're even much more blatant about it. They'll pose a question at the end of the segment that says Abraham Lincoln's head is on the quarter, the nickel, the dime, the penny, or the five dollar bill? And answer in a minute. And then they give you the answer after the commercials. Why did they do that to you? To make you sit through the commercial. We seem to have an uh, a. An, uh, a difficulty with unresolved situations. If somebody puts a question before us, we need to know the answer. And if the answer isn't given to us, we're willing to sit through a commercial for two minutes to find out the answer. Uh, We're willing to suffer to resolve an unresolved situation. And somebody's figured this out. Now, we've all got an unresolved situation. We don't know God yet. And that situation is unresolved. And in order to resolve it, you have to sit through your prayer. But not only do you have to sit through your prayer, you have to be conscious of your prayer. Not only do you have to be conscious of your prayer, you have to have the appropriate intention in your prayer. And you have to be able to do it over and over and over again and even though you may not be able to see god you'll be able to see patience after a while and in an interesting way seeing patience is seeing a part of god you may not be able to see god but you'll able to you'll be able to see peace after a while and in a very interesting way being able to see peace is being able to see God, you'll find that parts of Allah will be revealed to you by garnering the qualities that you garner by going through prayer, by going through doing the prescribed things that you're supposed to do. The ability to sit still and do zikr is a proof of Allah. Allah. The ability to do your prayer when prayer is necessary is a proof of Allah. The ability to go to Juma consistently because you're told to do that is a proof of Allah. Right now, there's a, a controversy in this country among some people about circumcision. Whether you should or not, and words like child mutilization uh, come up when speak, people speak about circumcision. And uh, a fellowship person asked me uh, a few days ago about circumcision, and I said, Bao said you should be circumcised." Then came the next question: Why? What do you mean, why? He said you should be circumcised. Why? Because God said you should be circumcised. Why? I need a reason. And that's where it all begins to fall apart. It already began to fall apart before they said, I need a reason. Because doubt had crept in that the word of God is not enough to justify something. There has to be some other application in order to justify it. Um, When you have a death certificate, um, the death certificate always gives a reason for the person dying. It never says, Allah determined his time was up (laughs) and sent the angel of death uh, to get him. It has a reason. Because in our society, we seem to need reasons for things. Part of this problem in needing reasons means that you create debate. And once you create debate, you create strong opinions. And once you create strong opinions... You create animosity. And with that comes anger and vengeance. Over what? Over opinions that were created because faith wasn't strong enough to accept what was simply given. Can we walk through our existence keeping to ourselves? Keeping our opinions to ourselves. We can. And one of the reasons people run away to monasteries is not to be involved with everybody's opinions at them. Uh, They can't take it anymore. They don't want to be involved in it anymore. But what happens is when you're involved in situations with more than one person, You have opinions. When I was about 27 or 28, I was practicing law, and there had been a shift in the firm, and I had been uh, put with a lawyer who was a jerk. Uh, He was mean. He was short in his words, and uh, he didn't know how to act. And I didn't like him. And so I sent Bawa a letter. And I said to him, uh, I've been put into a situation at work where I'm with somebody who's impossible to work with. What do I do? And he sent me back a letter. And it said, as soon as you're put into a situation with more than one person, there's politics. And, and politics lead to disagreements politics are like salt being poured into a wound and just because there seems to be a pleasant surrounding and a nice place to work in and people from the outside see something beautiful doesn't mean that it's truly a castle in the world it's better to live in your own rat hole than in somebody else's castle. So there has to be a certain integrity of you and a dignity of you. And you don't have to be connected to other people to get that dignity. The point is that if you're connected to other people for dignity, that's not what you're going to get. And it's really not what it is. He said, move to your own rat hole start your own business Allah will take care of you so within about two weeks I left and I went out on my own and um, it turned out to work but it also what allowed me to leave was my faith that the instruction that I was given was valid so faith Conquered fear and faith conquered a really lousy situation. But is it possible to have that kind of faith in everything that the Sheikh tells you? Is it possible to have the faith that if you continue to do all of the things that are required of you, you will be allowed to re-enter to reality? You'll be allowed to enter haq? You'll be allowed to see Rahman and Rahim if you do the things that are expected to you. Does prayer lead to grace? Does prayer lead to an elevated state? Can you go to an elevated state? Is there a difference between the state you're now in and the state where you can be in if you adhere to Allah's rules? Is it better to be at peace than to be angry? Do you go further in peace than in anger? Do you get further by allowing Allah to lead you, or by leading yourself? These are all questions that we all ask ourselves all the time. But, if we're not in a state of peace, if we're not in a state of contentment, if we're not in a state of repose, if we're not in a state where we can accept what's given to us, we fight the answers we were given. The translator didn't get it right. Somehow, you don't understand what I need. You don't understand what I want. What is it that you want? What is it that you need? Is it to fulfill the constant grasping, crying, screaming of the ego to get its way? Or do you want a relationship with truth, a relationship with reality? And to have a relationship with truth and reality, it has to be a relationship that's peaceful, Salam. It has to be a relationship that's compassionate, Rahman, that's merciful, Rahim. And if it can't be these things, you can't have those relationships because they preclude anyone who isn't that way to entering into that fold, to entering into that covenant of tranquility, that covenant of peace, that covenant of of surrender, that covenant of protection with Allah. If we want to be protected by Allah, we have to protect Allah that is within us. If we want mercy to ride with us, we have to ride with mercy. When the cabs are going by, And they have names on them, like anger and mercy. If we choose the cab that says anger and we get in that one, we can't expect that we're going to have a merciful ride. We're going to have an angry ride. We need to find a merciful way to accomplish things and a merciful way to do things. We have to find a way to get in line with reality. We we often say that you have to be able to go along with what is being brought to you. We have to be able to go along with the way things are. We have to be in tune with the vibration of the moment. But what if we are bad translators? What if we can't translate the resonance of the moment? What if we alter the vibration of the moment to suit our ego? What if we falsify the translation of what's going on at the moment? What if everything we do, we do in a way that serves our ego-centered self-motive so that we have come to the point where we are blind to truth, where we can't see truth. Many people need courses in remedial humility. They need courses in remedial mercy. They need courses in remedial tolerance, in remedial compassion. Because they've lost touch so far with their ability to empathize with others that they've lost touch to empath- they've lost the ability to empath- empathize with the reality that is within themselves if you can't empathize with others you can't empathize with the reality in yourself if you push yourself away from the truth in others you push yourself away from the truth in yourself if you call another person a kafir you are a kafir. It's another way of thinking. We have to give up what the world has taught us and integrate into us what Allah is trying to show us. And as long as we believe in the world, we can't see what Allah is trying to show us. So we have to give up on the world. We have to give up on the world's ways. We have to give up on the world's tactics. We have to give up on the world's nuances and how they make us do what the world wants us to do. We have a choice to make, and we make it almost all the time. Do we choose God or do we choose the world if we become angry, we've chosen the world. If we become harsh, we've chosen the world. If we're difficult, we've chosen the world. If we put ourselves above others, we've chosen the world. If we get strongly opinionated, we the wor- chosen the world. If we need to scream and holler, we've chosen the world. We have to find a way to get back to God. We have to understand the vibration that comes with Him. And we have to let it fill us with joy. And we have to pull away the veils that keep us from that. May Allah help each of us do this work and understand the importance of it for our immortal soul. Amin, Amin. Ya Rabi Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi barakatuh.